Blog Talk Radio. When I was five, hired out to watch a baby And he beat me when he cried I consider that too much of a price Even though I'm thick skin, some of the scars Stay with me for life I ain't never been the type to spin around to the other chief Putting up a fight to me and my people's all are free Four brothers, four sisters, thick family I'm the fourth child, you following mathematically God's in my veins, I can feel it in my soul Three older sisters never seen again when they were sold When they came from my brother, my mom's made them a promise Whoever tried to take them, she's and open your noggin Mommy was a rider Spiritual advisor Security provider That's why I'm alive wire When they ain't take my brother I felt the power inside of me Influenced by the moment I'll never settle for slavery Heavy metal weight In my head as a teen Now with seizures Narcolepsy and strange dreams From the tribe of Asante Through grandma Modesty Being free Holding my own Just a part of me You thinking about coming after me Better bring your faculty 20 miles away Before you even know what's happening Cargo on my train and it's something like traffic. I'm happy as the conductor. I ain't never lost a passenger. I'm plotting on my escaping. I'm married and feeling patient. I'm out with no debating. You silly for conversating. I'm breaking and while you waiting and I'll make it. I'll be sure to get the safest route to travel and be back for you with space. September 17th, 1849. Me and my brothers Henry and Ben said it's mine. So we left for Maryland. Headed towards Freedom Land. But they feet chillied up. So we turned around and went back to the owners. Believe me, I didn't wanna. Had I knew my brothers were Scared with in the bottom A little while later, man, I ran away again But this time straight dolo fan Backs to the wind In the middle of the night In the winter and the cold I was navigating on the Underground Railroad Nah, it ain't a literal train It's a form of resistance Just with the railroad theme So a station's a safe house Where the runaways go And the runaway slaves Are considered cargo The person who hit them Considered a station master And the stockholders The one who will put the cash up Me, I'm the conductor I transported the cargo routes that I took remain secret I took an oath boss of my train you get on There is no rebelling grown man said he turning back and I had to tell him Fam, why you had me bring the metal out? Cock it back, point it at your head and bring the devil out There's no going back, besides you going snitch And I'll kill you where you stand before you sing behind the whip Running from slave catchers, a bounty on my head Until my whole fam free, I don't really care Had a 10 year span with 19 or so trips I done free so many slaves they calling me Moses during the Civil War Because of my skills, I became the first woman to lead an armed assault I am Harriet Tubman, you need to fall back a conductor I never ran my train off the track You thinking about coming after me, better bring your faculty 20 miles away before you even know what's happening Cargo on my train and it's something like traffic I'm Harriet the conductor, I ain't never lost a passenger That was Larry Lock Henderson, Harriet the Conductor. She never lost a passenger. That's the type of conductor I want. Well, welcome to Our Own Voices Live. I am your host, Rodney Smith, 
bringing you another episode of Our Own, Live, Our Own Voices Live. And today, our topic is Wilmington Insurrection of 1898 and Black Friday Blackout. Black Friday Blackout. And if you don't know what it is, stay tuned because we're going to try to bring you some knowledge on that. Uh, before we go any further, let me give you a little bit of information about Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its cultural diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the culture and ethnic divide in America by working together to build a bridge in history to unite it. And some of the ways we do that is with shows like Our Own Voices Live. Of course, Our Own Voices Live was taken from the print magazine, Our Own Voices, based right here in the LV, the 702, that is Las Vegas. Our Own Voices was an attempt to help educate black people on black history as well as culture, help educate others on black history and culture, and then help educate all of us on all of our history and cultures for those of us who call ourselves Americans. Because after all, America is that great place. Some say that great experiment whose outcome is dubious, but where there was a great experiment, and I suggest it's still going on, on where we could meld multiple cultures, multiple religions, ethnicities, nationalities, all into one people. You know, we're going to do a show on just that specific topic, but that was what our own voices, the print and digital magazine, attempted to do, and that's why we're continuing the mission here with Our Own Voices Live. Uh, today's topic, timely in multiple ways, because we are going to talk about the Wilmington Insurrection, 1898. I'm sure all of you have heard about it in your history book, uh, and the reason why I say that is oftentimes people say, well, Rodney, why do you keep pushing this agenda item, this initiative to teach African-American history and culture throughout all curriculum in our schools? And I, I simply tell them, well, one, it teaches and perpetuates racism by others, and it teaches and perpetuates a less-than value to black people. So that's why I do it, and that's why I'll continue to do it. And that's why we're going to talk about an historic event that happened in 1898. In this country, yes, America had an insurrection. And you would think that one of the few, if not the only insurrection that happened in this country, that we would all have learned about it during school. Well, the reality is, how? matter of fact, give us a call, 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600. And you can also go to the Our Own Voices Live Facebook page because I actually want to know how many of you heard 
of the insurrection in Wilmington, North Carolina in 1898. How many of you learned about this in school? Where did you learn about it? You can also go to the Our Own Voices Live Facebook page, and you can drop a, a comment or a note there, because I'd love to hear what you have to say. And before we go any further, we just had an opportunity to celebrate America's first religious holiday. It is true. Thanksgiving was America's first religious holiday. And it's okay if you ate maybe a little too much, because you know what? Monday, the gyms will be open. The tracks are probably open now. And while you're out there, for those of you who are doing some shopping, you can get, walk some of it off as you're doing your shopping. Now, I would encourage you because today, Saturday, is Small Business Saturday. So this is the day that's set aside that encourages people doing this shopping cycle that if you're going to shop, to go and shop a small business. Now, the second part of our show is Black Friday Blackout 2015. Now, that would suggest that during Black Friday, and it's supposed to go not just Black Friday, but from Black Friday to the end of the year, that black people do not shop and spend money. Now, some people have modified and says, well, you know, if you're, gonna, if you're going to shop, make sure that you use a black business. And I would say today, especially a small business that's black business. Well, what do you think about the concept of, a Black Friday blackout, and is it something that you know what it's supposed to do, what its objectives or objectives are? 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600. Press option one to let us know you would like to speak, and we'd love to hear from you. And also you can go to Our Own Voices Live, and drop a comment, as well as since we did celebrate that first American religious holiday, it's okay to call in and share and talk about Thanksgiving, time with family, and if you'd like what you give thanks for. We talked about that at the gathering yesterday at TC's Rib Crib, again, supporting black business, and we talked about what we would, and I, I, I love that. We could have just talked about that, and I would have been happy. Because we, even though times seem quite bleak and dire right now, as they are, there's still a lot of goodness and a lot of hope. And it was good to hear some folks, instead of so much talking about what they don't have, what they would like to have, they talk about what they had and that they were thankful for it. I, that, that was, uh, I, I wish I could have recorded that. Well, as many of you know, this show would not take place if it was not for my wonderful co-host, Mrs. Angela Thomas. Angela, welcome to the show. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Rodney. Happy Thanksgiving to all. Man, what a wonderful, wonderful weekend it's been so far. It's ongoing. You know, round 35 of cooking is going down at the Thomas Abode right now. And, you know, right now I'm, me and my husband, we're working on some Check this out, Rodney. This is a dessert. Okay. We got green Granny Smith apples hollowed out, stuffed with cinnamon rolls, and baked off. Mm-hmm. I know one thing. It's, I sure bet it smells good around there. 
oh, my God, it smells like Christmas around here. <laughs> I don't know what it is about cinnamon, but it just makes you think. It makes me think about the holidays. I don't, I don't care in which form I get it with sweet potatoes or cinnamon rolls or whatever. But it, it just reminds me of the holidays. It reminds me of my grandmother's house and my mother's house during this corridor of holidays right in this area here from, like, November to the end of the year. Every house I went into smelled like cinnamon and spice and everything nice. So oh, it's nice to have my house. There, huh? <laughs> Not enough, but just the right amount, I guess. Yeah, so we're baking off some things right Right now, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna remix the, the, the little bit of Thanksgiving, chow. You know, that's my job. My mom and my husband take the main line on uh, Thanksgiving, and then I'm the remixer for the for the rest of the days. Well, it sounds like an orderly arrangement, uh, Angela. <laughs> uh, I, I was talking at the uh, in the introduction about that at the gathering. We took time out for everyone to share what they were thankful for, and it turned out to be uh, the highlight of the occasion. And I know we talked about it last week, but it's okay to say it more than once. So what do you give thanks for during this Thanksgiving and family season? Of course I give thanks to God, you know, for he is the head of my of my life. And, you know, because he dreamt a dream for me that, you know, before I knew what it was, uh, he blessed me with a family. I thank God for my family. Uh, I'm thankful for my family. Uh, all over this country we we uh, have gathered together this weekend and, you know, just checked in on each other, checked up with each other. I'm, I'm grateful to see that. I'm grateful to be a part of that. And the other big thing I'm grateful for, I am so grateful to see the example that my city is setting for the world right now. We witnessed yesterday probably the only empty Apple store in America yesterday as a result of black of the Black Lives Matter uh, folks shutting down Michigan Avenue. Now, I'm a Chicagoan, Rodney. I'm a Chicagoan to my heart till I die. Mm-hmm. To see Michigan Avenue, the magnificent mile, brimming with black folks, white folks, every nation was linked arm in arm yesterday across those retailers and up against some pretty um, interesting pushback from folks that would just like to not be involved, just want to go in the store and, you know, get whatever Black Friday deals they came to get. But to see us, a city of neighborhoods, and for those of you who don't know, that is our 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 nickname, Chicago, the city of neighborhoods, and it's not a good thing. It's, it means you stay in your neighborhood and you stay, you know, we are here together, but we are a city of neighborhoods, there is a line that divides us all. But to see my city, the city of neighborhoods, come together, linking arm in arm, under the under the understanding that that 17-year-old losing his life in the matter in which he did is not 
what we want to be known for. It is not the type of city we want to live in. And, you know, I saw some other things that were disappointing, like, you know, some some folks decided to uh, damage the the Christmas tree. But I, I the thing I'm really grateful for is to see the example that my city is setting yet again because we are a city that has been that has always been at the forefront of civil rights protests in this country. And, you know, yet another chapter is being written right now and I'm so happy to see that it's peaceful, it's respectful and for the most part successful. Four arrests out of thousands Thousands of people who have gathered in downtown Chicago to say enough is enough. I will not live like this. I will not allow you to represent me like this. And most of all, I will not allow you to shoot my children down in the street like dogs. It's beautiful. I'm really grateful to see that this day. I'm really grateful to see this. So, Angela, you know, that's obviously... One of our topics today is to talk about the, uh, uh, well, we're going to talk about the blackout, and and the reason for the blackout is uh, partially due to some of the uh, offenses of uh, police to our community, and not just our community and others, but our emphasis is specifically on our community. So we are going to delve into that. Chicago's role, of course, we have the incident up in uh, Minnesota, of all places. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, those folks are having some protests and rallies and and some sit-ins, and they're you know trying to hold the uh, the authorities' feet to the fire, so to speak, and and get some accountability. And a lot of what this is about is a lot to do with accountability. It just doesn't seem to be accountability for some of the actions that have taken place. And it's not just isolated incidents; it's multiple right. incidents. So, folks, give us a call, 347-826-9600. The topic of the show today is the insurrection in Wilmington, North Carolina, 1898. Uh, We're also going to talk about uh, Black Friday, blackout, boycotting, 2015. We'd love to know, one, did you know about it? Two, did you participate? Why or why not, if you're willing to share? And... For me, and I don't want to get in too deep just yet, but the biggest thing for me was to learn. I've always known it was possible because obviously we did the Montgomery bus boycott. Sure. So I knew it was possible. But the glaring thing for me before and as we're going through this process is just how limited we are in available resources. Now, of course, looking at the flip side of it, it is actually forcing some people to seek out black-owned businesses, and there are some people who are actually supporting black-owned businesses now who may not have done it before, and I think that that's a good thing. So there has been good, and then there's some been some revelations. Like the reality of it is we could not separate ourselves totally presently because we simply do not have the diversity of businesses and we do not have enough businesses. I'm going to just give you guys some rough numbers here. 
there are approximately 2 million black businesses in America. 2 million. There's approximately, oh, I think it's about 35 to 40 million black people in this country. Now, there are 20 million white-owned businesses in America. It is almost, somebody help me with my math, because that's a heck of a lot more businesses in number and percentage-wise. And black businesses tend to fall in, well, not a large diversity of categories. So we have, you know, we have hair care, we have restaurants, we have some some uh, cleaning, we have some some health care, uh, but it really falls into a small group of business uh, types. And one of the that's part of the lessons learned is just how limited we are. Now, with the advent of the internet, it does give us a greater exposure and, and it, the potential for more access. But for those businesses that write up, and, and let me tell you, and I, this is, I, I have to disclose this, because I, even though I support it with reservations, and the reservations is not understanding quite what is the purpose of it, right? But mm-hmm. I left my house yesterday to go to the gathering. Now, we have the gathering just about every Friday. And I'm always surprised when people want to have it right after Thanksgiving since they probably have a whole bunch of food in the house. But we did. <laughs> people wanted to gather yesterday, so we had a gathering yesterday at TC's Rib Crib. And, and big shout-out to uh, Sharon. And while we were, in order for me to get to TC's, I had to drive. And I was on eat. I had barely enough gas to get to the service station. And, of course, in Las Vegas, and this is something for you all to contemplate out there, in Las Vegas, I do not know where a black-owned service station is. I talked to Mm -hmm. some political types uh, yesterday, and coming up to the uh, blackout, because I knew that was something that, hey, I, I have to get around. And I was trying to plan it so that I'd have enough gas. But we're talking a blackout from, if if we do it as stated, from yesterday through the, the end of the year. Well, I have to fill up at least once a week. and I, So I knew I was going to need some gas. I have not been able to find a black-owned service station in Las Vegas. So if any of you out there are listening and know where a black-owned service station is in Las Vegas, please either you can send us a uh, – the chat room is open. You can message us there. Uh, you can put something out on the uh, Facebook page, Our Own Voice is Live. But please feel free to share it because I think that is an important ingredient, which leads me to – I talked to some other people. I said – we might, we should consider foundation businesses. And by foundation businesses, I meant businesses that we that are essential to us, that are essential to us. 
347-826-9600. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Press option one on your keypad, and that way that will give us an indication that you would like to chat with us. Uh, Angela, what do you uh, think about this whole concept? And um, what what is and it to you? To me, um, you know, you know this, Rodney, but maybe I haven't shared this on the airways. But I grew up uh, with two two parents: one Nation of Islam Muslim, and and one black baptist christian chicago church going woman um the benefit of that merging of of ideologies uh of my parents is that i've always been entrepreneurial i was always taught entrepreneurship and i've always i lived in a city that had a very robust black community meaning we had black grocery stores we had black cosmetics, we had Johnson's publishing and everything that came with that. So I you know, I actually come from a community that practices uh this type of communal support and you know, has a thriving, robust um, structure in place that that, that is working. Um, so it meant, but for years in all my years, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting up there. Uh, we have always at Christmas time had to, you know, beat the drum of support black businesses, support the businesses in your community. Just don't run, you know, don't run out to the big box stores or the major department stores before the big box stores came in. Go to those black-owned businesses in your community and purchase your your needs. So to see this finally, you know, come to fruition on a massive national scale and to see so many African Americans really taking heed to this is, you know, something we've prayed for. I've been a black retailer. Me and my sister ran a, a, a retail store called Nine and Up in Oak Park, Illinois. And um, we loved that business. We loved that business for nine years, and we loved our customers, most of which were African American. But we had all nationalities shopping with us because we gave quality pro- we, we you know we gave quality products at a great price and in your community, in your neighborhood. Um, I now own a cosmetics business. I have lipsticks called 21 Smooches, you know, for your Christmas needs. Please consider, yeah, please consider me. (laughs) Um, so to see my city leading the, you know, helping to lead the way in, uh, highlighting how important it is for us to divest from Christmas right now and to see it to see the numbers last year we did this and it wasn't as popular it was gaining momentum last year the numbers came out first of all black friday is one of the busy one of the most important retail days in in the you know the the calendar of retail black friday really contributes to a company's 
annual bottom line greatly. And to see an 11% dip in last year's Christmas shopping, particularly Black Friday uh, consumption, that was done by black people. And to watch the news leading up to Black Friday, where they were saying Black Friday is kind of like Gray Friday now. It's not as popular as it used to be. And to see them, you know, attribute these this decline in consumer interest uh, to things like fights in Walmart and, you know, the other box retailers, uh, and not put the credit where it belongs because black people decided last year that they were not going to participate in Black Friday and really do their best to shop black for Christmas last year, the overall retail system saw an 11% dip. That's important. That's, that's amazing. I can't wait to see what this year's numbers are going to be. And I, I hope that we also include some strategy. Don't just take your dollars out on Black Friday. Put your money in black businesses. Let our dollars live in our community longer than the few seconds that it has been in the past. Also, take your money and put it into black banks. Let's start to really deeply engage on black economics, what it would mean for our community, what it will mean for this country if black folks just decided, no, we're going to do this a different way. The number one export of America is black culture, black genius. What if we started to reevaluate and circumvent the system. It's already begun. I, I hope you guys are paying attention. It's very interesting news coverage on on uh you can go back in the in the timeline. Luckily we have the internet now. Look at some of these stories that they did on Black Friday shopping. All of them. Every one that I've seen and I watched every major network uh this week and last week build up, you know, the ad the the, the um the stories leading up to to Black Friday, they all talked about the 11% dip last year, and they all talked about why they thought <laughs> this this was going on. But, you know, the truth behind the story is that black folks made up their mind uh, to do something in a coordinated, uh, unified manner. And it means the world to me. Because this is something okay. that my folks have been talking about doing for all of my life, and to see it come to come to pass is is beautiful. So, Angela, now that it's like you said, it has increased. What did did we see any difference in folks supporting the achievement of the goal of the of the boycott from? last year to this year, and, you, you know, has anyone articulated the goal to you, or is, or is it something that you know? Uh, it, 
part of this is something that I know because I'm a retailer, and I watch the numbers, and I, watch, I read the stories, I, I keep up with the retail industry. So part of it is, you know, general mainstream stuff that I keep up with. Uh, I'm in the licensing business. I know how to put licensing deals together. So all across these uh, different industries that I dabble in, I see the news stories. I watch the numbers. So part of it is, you know, that I know. And the other part, um, which is, you know, watching black media and how they've been reporting it, um, I haven't seen a lot of black outlets talk about our divestation from, you know, Christmas and, and, you know, this real pushback on um, our consumption and how we consume. And I hope we we do start talking about it, outlets like ours and and others uh, that may have a, a larger platform. I hope we do start talking about it more. I hope we start talking about it at the dinner table as we're gathering this weekend with our loved ones and and everyone else, it is making a difference. It is in, it is making a difference that black folks are being conscious. Even if you decide to, you know, go your normal route and consume your normal things, the fact that you thought that you had a choice, the fact that you even had a choice, Rodney, is is move the the needle dramatically. So uh, one of the things that I saw about this is though maybe the desired result of ending this police brutality hasn't been achieved yet. But one of the benefits is, as you articulated, is sort of reintroducing this concept of self-sufficiency and community support back to our people in a large scale. And sometimes when things are going in one direction and you want them to change to go in the opposite direction, it's like turning a big ship. And that ship doesn't turn quickly. Right. As a matter of fact, it turns slowly and it is persistence that makes the difference. Uh, it is quite telling how you described it that they were trying to come up with reasons on that dip of 11%. When the reason, some would say, is obvious and right before them. So I've, I've been looking through news coverage uh, this weekend a little bit. I've been busy. But I was just waiting, you know, I was looking on the TV to hear what are they saying about it. And I've heard references and mentions. Munching around the edges, absolutely. But I no haven't heard them to... directly get to the actual crux of the matter, is that black people in America, not all, but there is a movement afoot for black people in America to boycott. I just have not heard it reported in a large, large-scale fashion. I I happen to agree with you, Rodney. I, I will say this: if Anderson Cooper or any other, anybody that want Anderson Cooper's seat, 
you know, I would suggest that they start looking at these things. There is a societal shift going on. We're in the midst of it. And, you know, it's going to have to happen how it happened in the past, Rodney. I'm afraid that for this story to really be told, it's going to be told by the hands of black journalists. NABJ need to get up in here and get on this. Uh, and other black journalists, uh, minority journalists, but particularly black journalism, uh, I want to, you know, encourage them. You know, the um, the final call has been on it. They were on it last year when they when it when the numbers came in, and there was an eleven percent dip in Black Friday, Chris, and and overall Christmas shopping. Um, they were on it. They've always been on it. Uh, but I would like to see some of black editors uh, enlist the black genius, the black brain trust of, of black journalists to really start to report on this. We still have a great deal of our historic black newspapers up and running. You want to sell some newspapers? Start telling the story of black economics and what's going on with us right now and become a resource for the black community to have some choices in where they shop. Start highlighting these black retailers, uh, black cosmetic companies like mine. Uh, We have more than fashion fair. We have other African-American-owned cosmetic companies. We have other African-American-owned businesses. Could you imagine how our black grocer here, uh, Jimmy's, could have been impacted by this seismic move that's going on right now, Rodney? Mm-hmm. It would have well, changed you know, his business. It would change his business. One of the things I want to talk about is people often reference the bus boycott in Selma. And mm-hmm. they say, well, they did it and we could do it, which is true. I, that I do believe. But what I also have realized that some folks don't realize just how long that bus boycott lasted. And the Well, over a year. That people Absolutely. made for that boycott. To happen. So, you know, the young people got the energy and the boots on the ground right now. What they're missing, the cover of Ebony Magazine this month, I'm so proud of them. They have one of the best covers, to me, of, of their history going right now. Uh, it's beautiful. If you have an opportunity, Google it and, um, you know, check out what they're doing. They they put the protest on the cover this month, the leaders. What these young people need now is something that Rodney has referenced for a while now. They need the 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 old folks who don't have who lack the energy, but know the strategy. They need the strategy to be given to them because they got the energy and the boots on the ground. They got it moving, but they need all of our input, 
on the strategy and let's let's go let's get it because we're already making a difference for the magnificent mile in Chicago to be shut down when um I saw an image of the Apple store uh Pastor Jamal Bryant uh put on his Instagram an image of the Apple store on, on Michigan Avenue the magnificent mile in Chicago and the workers it was completely empty Void of consumers, Rodney. The workers were just standing there with their arms folded. And, I, I, it, you know, <laughs> they had to be wondering what the heck is going on here. When have you I, – look, I, I was a Chicagoan for 40-plus years, born and raised there. Nothing ever touches downtown Chicago. If it's something going on, there's some, some unrest going on with – Whichever community, whichever neighborhood, and, and you know, that's a that's a big city. Um, it has never been taken to the streets of Michigan Avenue. So to see Black Lives Matter out there, ever since the video was released of of, of the young man being shot down, so look. To see them out in the streets saying, no, we ain't going to do it. Even, you know, something, an image got to me this week, with the, and it was disappointing. With the, the, you know, some folks say that they protested. I like to think they're not. I think there are some agitators that are embedded. Uh, Roland Martin covered last week about uh, these, and we're seeing in Minnesota where some agitators are embedding themselves within this uh, protest peaceful protest movement and trying to get people hurt. I, I'd like to think the folks that attacked the Chicago Christmas tree uh, so viciously, that I, I would like to think that some of those agitators and, and some of them folks embedding themselves, creating problems and uh, trying to basically start a race war, I guess. That's what their intention is. But... Um, that that image got to me because that's the tree that I've taken my children to all their lives, and we go from, we would go from the tree at the Daily Center, which they moved it this year, and I I think that's a a key point to be made too. The tree was always at the Daily Center where it had a barrier around it. Uh, this year they chose to move the tree to Grant Park over by the Bing, which is you know by the staging, and you know it's probably logistically a better place for the tree, but. You know, this is their first year, and they're figuring it out. So, you know, to have people attack the tree, the city's tree, where everybody brings their children, and, you know, we listen to Christmas carols and drink hot chocolate and, you know, cider, hot cider, and then we go from there over to Michigan Avenue to the Marshall Fields uh, windows and look at our annual Christmas display, and that retailer's window has been there long as I've been alive, they've been doing it even before I was there. And, you know, that's sort of the route. You do your, you know, your little Christmas shopping and, you know, Christmas treating your kids out, you know, getting them in the Christmas spirit. And then you go home. Usually we went home and, you know, did a little work on our Christmas tree and, you know, had fun time with family. That's what that tree represents. But to see, you know, somebody so upset, that they would damage the the Christmas tree was very disappointing to me. But this is a part of the process, I guess. 
Well, in any rally protest, there's always going to be the outliers. Uh, one of the things sure. that we have tried to do when we've done rallies and protests here is one of the first things that we tell folks is no mask, no mask, no uh, gigantic hoodies where we can't see your face. Right. And the reason for this, I said, first of all, we're, we are peaceful, law-abiding protesters, and we have nothing to hide. As a matter of fact, we should want people to see us because our constituency group, as we all have them, maybe there's somebody who sees us, and because they see us, they'll want to come out and join and or support as well. But then there's another uh, piece of why I always insist that we, there's no hoodies and there's no face masks, is it's very easy, as Angela mentioned, for agitators to infiltrate you if everybody's covered up because you don't know who people are. Uh, I'm even a big fan of putting name tags uh, on people uh, it, for those who are, who are willing to do it so we can see who they are. Uh, one of the issues that happened at the at one of the protests was some people saw someone that they didn't recognize, and then they approached those people, and you know there was some some running, there was some scuffling, ultimately ended up in some gunshots. But how long had those people been there? What mayhem, and and I don't know this, but what other mayhem? may they have gotten into or instigated. So for those of you uh, folks that are out there, and I know the younger people and others too like to wear the hoodies, uh, I'm suggesting to you that unless the weather just absolutely dictates it and that's all that you have, get rid of the face mask and get rid of the excessively large hoodies that cover the majority of your face so that you're your constituency group, your peers that are out there peacefully uh, marching and protesting and demonstrating can know who you are and eliminate eliminate this negative factor that from whether it's Ferguson to Baltimore, I've had people contact me directly from both places or who live there, and they've said, you know, some of these people that, I, we, they're not from our neighborhood. They're not from our community. I, now, I know everybody doesn't know everyone, but I believe that there is something to that. And with what happened, I, I want to say it was Minnesota, uh, what happened mm-hmm. in, in there with the folks getting shot at a peaceful protest by people who were embedded with them, that is one of the dangers of people covering their faces and wearing hoodies. And be proud of your march. Be proud of your protest. You're doing something that if you stick with it and you keep it peaceful and purposeful and, as Angela said, able to articulate a purpose, you know, what is the goal? If you can do that, this can be successful. But, you, you know, you we do need to do things smarter and learn from our past mistakes or, you know, maybe it's not a mistake. It's just something that happened. So let's try to learn from it. I, I see the callers uh, out there. Thank you all so much. Uh need to do a quick station ID. Uh, you're listening to Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live comes to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. That's 3.30 out east, y'all. 
today's topic is Wilmington Insurrection of 1898, which we will get to, and Black Friday Blackout 2015, a boycott. And it's not just on Black Friday as it was, but it is something scheduled uh, to go on through the end of the year. Uh, so there's some expansion on the uh, Black Friday boycott. You can give us a call at area code 347-826-9600. That's 347-826-9600. You can press option one on your keypad to talk. would love to know, uh, one, are you guys doing a boycott in your area? Have you participated? What do you think about it? Have you heard a strategy, purpose, an end game, uh, an ultimate result of it? And is it being broadcast? Are you hearing about it on the news? You know, Angela was talking about how it's sort of been a whiteout, so to speak, in uh, Mm -hmm. popular media, popular media being the media controlled by white America. Well, if that is the case, then doesn't this also make a case on the need of not only black-owned media, but black-owned supported media? So in other words, I have a media company, but it does no good for me to have the media company if I'm not getting support from black people because it costs money. And, you know, when you're spending time and, and you're putting effort in, and you want to provide a good service to your people right now. What people have been asking me for is, Rodney, is there a list of black businesses? And I say, well, there are multiple web pages that you can go to. Uh, There's even an app here in Las Vegas, a local app called Las Vegas Black Book. You can go there. It works on, I believe, iOS as well as the Android platforms. And it has at, at least a hundred, uh, maybe more businesses, and you can use that. So that's Las Vegas Black Book. I like to remind people that today is also Small Business Saturday. That's right, Small Business yeah, Saturday. Small Business Saturday. Uh, most of black businesses are small businesses, so everyone can go out and support a small business that's black today, and you can do that. Yep. And and everyone can participate in that. Uh, I want to give a plug out to a local shop that I go to, and it's called Dangerwear, and it's located on Rancho at the corner of Washington, Rancho at the corner of Washington. It's owned by a couple, a husband and wife duo. I was introduced to them by a, a business associate, and they sell clothes there. Now, it's not just that they sell clothes and that it's a black-owned business that keeps me going back to this business. You know, I've bought uh, ties, uh, pocket scarves. I've bought, purchased shirts. Matter of fact, this is one of the places where if I can't find a particular color shirt anyplace else, I can usually find it at Dean's where or they can order it for me. But they also have men's suits, shoes. They have jewelry, uh, belt buckles, hats. Oh, and they have women's clothes. So for you ladies, 
danger wear in the old uh, swap meet space there on Rancho and Washington. There's a Chicago-style hot dog place that you pass right by, and that'll be your landmark for those of you who might be a little directional mm-hmm. challenge. But it is on Rancho. Uh, the cross street is Washington. There's a Popeye's over there. There's a Church's Chicken nearby. And, of course, the uh, on and off ramp for the freeway, uh, 9395, is located in that area. Uh, I go there to buy. I like French cuff shirts, and I, I want them in different colors. But French cuff shirts are really not sold in a bunch of different colors. And I had been shopping there, and, and I asked them if they had it, and they did. So this is my go-to place for French cuff shirts. I need a black tie. Um, the black tie that I had was probably 20-some years old, and it finally uh, needed to go to the recycle. Okay. So I need a black tie. I'm going to Danger Wear to get that black tie. Now, if you all know of a black-owned business here in Las Vegas, please give us a call, 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600. Press option one and shout out that black-owned business. Shout out right. that small business. Let the people know where it is. You know, we try to stay abreast of as much as we can, but let us know uh, so we can let other folks know. Well, that's all great news. <clears throat> it, it can be. I, I did ask. Uh, I was talking to Maurice this morning over Facebook, and I, I was. we were talking about the purpose of it. And I hope that he calls into the show because this brother said he is deadly serious of his support of the blackout. And I would love for him to be able to articulate some of his passion and seriousness to all of you. Uh, Often that's what's needed is passion and seriousness. Because seriousness brings about commitment. And if you're going to do something like this, you have to be committed to it. Frederick Douglass had the famous quote about uh, power seeds power to no one without being challenged. And if we want to change things for us, waiting for others to change it probably means we have a long wait. Right. So if this is something that's important to us, and as Maurice says, something that he's deadly serious about, then we have to be deadly serious about it. That means we have to be willing to sacrifice. You know, those people in Selma that these things are often related to, they sacrifice. They went through a lot of pairs of shoes, let me tell you. It cost them. The the shoe cobblers in that area made some money because they were on the Shoe Leather Express. Uh, For those people who own vehicles, they oftentimes use their vehicles to shuttle people back and forth to work. To and from work to the grocery store. uh, You know, you think about out here, Rodney, with that that transportation situation. you have to have a car in Las Vegas because, you know, we're very spread out. It's it's you're gonna be walking a long time. I will walk a long time to even get out of my community. So <laughs> that's 
that's tremendous is my point, um, the sacrifice. And that's why I was saying earlier um, a role that, that black journalism could play right now, uh, which I saw that they they did do some of it uh, leading up to Black Friday, highlighting black businesses, uh, uh, publishing uh, uh, a list, per se, of, of black-owned businesses that we could buy from. I mean, I found several high-end shoe manufacturers that I was a shoe retailer and didn't know about these uh, black-owned from manufacturing all the way to retail, high-end women's shoes that look every bit as good as uh, Red Bottoms or Jimmy Choo or, uh, you know, uh, Sergio Rossi, my personal favorite of high-end designer uh, shoes. Um, so I, I was I was like really grateful to see uh, these lists being circulated, but you know that's that's definitely a role they could play, and that would definitely do something that hasn't been done for them in a long time: increase circulation. Uh, well, definitely need increased circulation, but in cir- increased circulation, but black-owned businesses. Here's a message to you: you have yeah. to support. Black-owned media, because that's that is the fuel for for black-owned media is black businesses. So, you know, this sacrifice that we're talking. Somebody asked me. They said, "Well, suppose uh, Rodney, there was a gas station, but it wasn't near you. Would you still go and get gas from there?" And I says, "What I would do is I would probably schedule it." in my weekly life because I, I usually gas up at least once a week mm-hmm. and I have to drive this place and that place. So what I'd probably do is I'd, you know, go to the, the, the black owned service station, gas up, even if it took me a little out of my way, even if it cost me a little more. And the reason for that is oftentimes the cost of a black business being in business, is simply higher than their white counterparts. Uh, whether it's the location of the business, they assign risk to it. Uh, they assign risk to your loan from the bank simply because you're black. Uh, we were having a chat yesterday and someone says, well, why don't you just keep calling around until you find uh, someone else? And sometimes you can do that. And then sometimes there are time constraints. constraints. That doesn't allow you to do that. And sometimes even after doing that, you still come up with the same thing. Because one thing that they know, they know that you're black. And because you are black, you are considered an additional risk. It's sort of like how it used to be with women and and insurance is, well, you can get pregnant, therefore you are higher risk, and your rates are going to be higher. It was just like that. It was just a matter of fact. Well, believe it or not, that's how it is for us. It is simply because we are, simply because it's in that neighborhood. Now, sometimes maybe those neighborhoods are tough. Okay, so that means that the cost of doing business is going to be higher in that neighborhood because there is more crime. Well, if there is more crime and the cost of doing business is higher, I still need to support that business for that business to stay in business so that business can hire more people. Now, as they said on some of the shows yesterday, we expect, and this is from Craig Knight from KCEP, he says, yes, we want to support you black-owned businesses, but as a paying customer, 
we want you to give us good service. Mm-hmm. We want to feel like you want our money, like this dollar means something to you. So we want good service. Yes, we want the best products that you have. We want your facility to be clean. We want it to smell clean. Now, some people might say, oh, don't down black businesses. No, this is not. This is actually to help black businesses because, to be quite honest, sometimes we have to look at ourselves and give ourselves constructive, constructive guidance and information. That's what this is, constructive guidance and information. Now, you can twist that as you like, but the purpose is, <laughs> is when, when I come into a business, I want to feel like I can touch stuff, and I don't have to use hand sanitizer. When I come into a business, you know, I can go into white businesses all day where they ignore me or they sick the uh, undercover guy to follow me around, right? I can do that all day with them. I don't want to have to do that when I come into my own people's business. I want to be treated at least like you want my money. You know what I'm right. trying to give you? You're glad I came through the door, absolutely. Now, I can tell you when you go to Dangerware on – uh, Rancho and Cross Street is Washington. When you go there, the thing that got me before I even saw the product was they welcomed me in the store. They welcomed me. They said, hi, how are you? Welcome to our store. I am so-and-so, and this is so-and-so. Now, what can we do for you today? Now, that doesn't seem very difficult. But it's it the makes key. you feel comfortable. Absolutely, Welcome. Rodney. That is the key. That is the key to return business. Uh, people of all nationalities actually really base whether they will return to your retail environment based off of that initial, soon as I walk through the door, treatment. What is that experience like? If I walk through the door and the music is is loud and, you know, uh, I don't get any attention from staff, uh, something even as simple as eye contact. But it's very, very important when uh, folks are shopping with a small business to make sure that you greet and welcome someone into your retail environment. I, I I'm plugging this show, this store, on my show, unsolicited by the owners. One, because it's one of the few stores of it that I know, and it is a small business and it's black business, so I would do it. But I'm doing it enthusiastically because they made me feel comfortable. I even have the number when I can call and say, hey, I'm going to be down at such and such a time, and this is what I'm looking for. So when I get into the store... And now they know me because I've been there. And and this is something else from the consumer side, the customer side. Establish relationships with your businesses. And this is whether they're black or white. But right now we're talking about black-owned businesses. Establish relationships with them. Don't just walk into the store, pick up whatever it is, and roll out. I mean, you can do that, and that's your right to do it. But there is something about saying hi back, addressing the salespeople or the owners, whatever the case may be, having a positive demeanor yourself, uh, treating the proprietors of the store as if they are humans versus your slave, right? Everybody wants to feel 
comfortable and of worth, of value. So just like you want to be treated uh, right, also treat the people in the store with courtesy and respect. That will go a long way. So danger wear. Uh, go there if you need to get some clothes. Uh, that's on the corner of Rancho and, I believe, Washington. Uh, Church's Chicken is across the street. I believe there's even a Starbucks or something across the street. Uh, another business, a black-owned business, it is a restaurant that I want to give a big shout-out to, is T.C.'s Rib Crib. T.C.'s Rib Crib. That's right. I want to give them a big shout-out. We have our gatherings there when the West Side Bistro is closed for the holiday, as we did this week, uh, yesterday. And Sharon and the crew, they take care of us. The food is good. And, you know, occasionally things don't always work out 100%. But we've gone there, and even I think just for going there, if it was our first time, if you want something different, switch it up, you, you talk to them, and you talk to them respectfully. Uh, so that's TC's Rib Crib, and it's located at 3655 South Durango, 3655 South Durango, Suite 18, and that's Las Vegas, 89147. Uh, so that's TC's Rib Crib, 3655 South Durango Drive, Suite 18. You can give them a call. Well, i tell you what, you can... Reach them at tcsribcrib.com. That's tcs, that's P-C-S-R-I-B, C-R-I-B dot com. And you can get the phone number and the address uh, again there if you didn't catch it. Uh, if you have an event, a party, a group, and you want to go someplace to die, TC's Rib Crib will literally rearrange their, their facility to accommodate you. If you want to have a game night, in other words, you want to get together with some friends, don't feel like cooking and preparing and buying a bunch of stuff, you can let TCs know, let them know the time. You guys work it out. They have a bunch. You don't even have to buy the game. They have a bunch of games there already just waiting. So TCs Rib Crib, 3655 South Durango, Suite 18. you find them at TCs Rib Crib. Dot com, And they're also on Facebook as TC's Rip Rip. So those folks take care of us at the gathering. Uh, I introduced them to some veterans yesterday, and we're going to a group of veterans, and this is how you can support black-owned businesses. If you know someone that needs a service that a black-owned business provides, then connect the dots. Play middle person. Uh, normally, on Tuesdays, some veteran, a veteran group called the Old Dogs, that's what they call themselves, <laughs> called the Old Dogs, <laughs> they normally meet in the park. And it's about 12 of them or so. But it's getting the weather's getting a little chilly here in Vegas because, you know, once you get below 60, it's cold for us. <laughs> it's ridiculously cold. It's wintertime. Absolutely. So we were down to 47 the other day. So the veterans, they were looking for, well, you know, we want to get together for lunch still on Tuesday. Well, mm-hmm. they did not know about TC's Ripper. Now they know about TC's Ripper, and they're they're planning to come uh, in mass to TC's Ripper. 
And what does that do? This is word of mouth advertising. Because sure. once they come and we have I'm confident they will enjoy the food, they will enjoy the service, that they will let other people know. That increases TC's rib cribs bottom line. And the more customers that they have, the more wait staff they may need. Maybe the more cooks they so you see how this works? So when we frequent businesses, the more we frequent those businesses, the more demand of that business's services we put on the business, and then the way the business satisfies our demand is by hiring more of us because that's the goal. Now, I know some people have told me, these are black folks, that, no, I want a diverse business, and I'm not just going to hire black people. And my first thought was, hmm, let me let me ponder this. My second thought was, well, they have every right to do just that, and that's okay. But then my comment to them was, I hope that you will at least consider hiring black people first, because if we don't, if if we're not being hired by white America, and we don't hire ourselves. And that just means we're not working. Right. Uh, go to a Chinese restaurant. Who is working there? Go to a Latino Hispanic restaurant. Who is working there? Heck, for that matter, go to a <laughs> McDonald's. Go to a even a KFC. That the manager is Latino Hispanic, and. I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I would be willing to bet you a root beer that the majority of his workforce are Latino Hispanic. Now, some of you say, well, Rodney, maybe that's just the only people who apply for those jobs. You're absolutely right. But then again, maybe that's the people that the manager chose to hire for whatever reason. What I'm saying to you is choose to hire some black people that can do the job because you know don't don't hire people because they're black now and they can't they're not able to do the job. So they're not able to there, perform. I want, I want sure. what I want and I want it properly done, right? Hire people that can do the job. But let me tell you that lifts us up because that creates expectation. Sam Smith says we should always be excellent. We should always be excellent. So when you have a business, your business should always be excellent. Whatever it is that you do it, you should be striving to be the best. And it should be excellent. Your business should be excellent. So that's some things uh, about the black boycott. And, and the purpose of it, as I understand it, is to bring to bring attention on what's going on with the killings of black people by the police force and to bring attention and accountability to this. Now, I hope that this is a start and not an ending in what we do to continue to to change. Because as you've heard me say many times before, Racism, which is at the root of most of our issues in America with black people. And there is a case to be made 
that black people should do more for themselves. I'm with you 100%. That's what this boycott's about. So for those of you who have said, well, hey, black people, you keep talking about what others need to do for you. You need to do for you. Okay, we're doing for ourselves right now. Where's your support for us? This is what you said. All right, where's your support for us? Okay, you're not going to support us? Okay, that's fine. Then, you know, stop talking about what we need to do for ourselves because we're doing for ourselves. And I hope that we will continue to do for ourselves that this is the rekindling of the spirit that we had before the 70s. That's right. This is not new supporting our own. This is what we have done and always have done in this country up until fairly modern times. A lot of you young folks, especially you young folks who talk negatively of the elders, of the older folks, you are starting to learn what these people have already lived. And one day you will be their age. And when you get to their age, you may find that you don't get around quite as well as you used to. You may not have the energy level like you used to. You might even have forgotten a thing or two. And then sometimes your attitude may not be as conciliatory as maybe it should be. But you know the shoes that you walked in because you remember having to buy new shoes. You remember those blisters, and back in the day, we used to get corns. You know, you get some bunions, you know, <laughs> because of that effort. Everybody has a role to play, and this will not succeed by just a few playing that role. This requires effort in math. We all have this, a role to play. This is really, you know, an all-hands-on-deck moment right now. We need everybody's hands in this. To, you know, of course, highlight that you you just can't keep killing our kids in the street like this. We're hiring you to serve and protect. You are supposed to serve and protect all. Um, we're not going to just accept being police. Of course, to highlight that, but also to balance our community. We're a trillion-dollar consumption uh, our value is over a trillion dollars as a as a community, as consumers. Very, very little of that remains in our community, if any. It's time to balance this out. When I go to my trade shows, licensing show, magic, cosmetic shows I go to, um, the jewelry show where I get accessories from. When I step up to that, when I come in the hall, first of all, I see, I feel like all eyes are on me. And it's not because I'm fabulously dressed, which I am, but you definitely know that people have noticed that you're in that hall. And they're thinking to themselves, my God, what is she doing here? You could see it on their face. You could read it in their facial expression. Then they're, 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 when I step into the line to claim my registration, you see the disdain, particularly on the older people there, because this is the setup. This is the scenario, Rodney, when I go there, and they're standing in the hall. They're waiting for 
uh, whatever they're waiting for. You see multi-generations there doing business. You see the grandmother who has the credit power. You see usually the husband, wife, or the sister, sister, or the brother, brother, my my age group who has the energy to run the store. And then you see the preteens and the teenagers, which is the next generation that they're teaching the business to. First you see the scowl on the older person, on the older generation's face. And then they bring me bring to the attention of the my peer, the the person that's my in my age group. Look, there's an African American woman there. Now we all know that women make all of the decision buying uh, choices for the family. That's whether you black, white, or Martian green. The woman just takes care of the household. She she takes care of where we gonna go. You guys are the head, Rodney, but we definitely the neck, and we got that on lock. We're going to turn that head in the direction we need it to be. So uh, they definitely notice. And then the 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 mom, the, the husband and wife, sister, brother, 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 sister, sister, peer, the one that's my age that's running the store that usually gives me a hard time if I walk in their store like I don't have no money to spend. Yet they depend on my group to, to, you know, to bring some part of that trillion-dollar consumption pot into their stores. Those that treat me real bad when I come in their store, um, they put a scowl on their face, and they start talking and kind of discreetly pointing at me and my sister and maybe one of my daughters because, you know, we – we're doing the same thing. What's missing from us, though, is that is that grandma, that grandparent here, that's investing in their credit power to give them more dollars to buy at these wholesale events. That's what we're missing. Is 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 literally, you know, me and my sister, and. You know, my daughter, my sister doesn't have any biological children. She has my children. Uh, we're there. So, you know, it's definitely, you're, you're definitely made to feel unwelcome. In each booth we go to, we have to prove above and beyond. Not just, you know, we, it's not enough that we have on a badge. And the fact that we have a badge qualifies us to do business there. They want to see your business license. They want to see business cards. They want to see who your line of credit is through. Just to sit down for them to make a presentation of what they have available to put in my store. That has happened to me many times. And you don't see the others having to quantify and qualify their business in that fashion. Certain brands, like the brands I like to wear, you know, them real less floss and gloss brands, the Sojiro Rossi brands, you can't even go. They usually have suites, Rodney. You can't even go in the suite. Like I came to the shoe shoe show, and I'm just going to stop up at Sergio Rossi and begin to um, do business with them. No, this they'll tell you right away, this is by appointment only. 
But then you watch others walk in that showroom right behind you without an appointment, and they are able to sit down with a representative of that brand and do what they need to do to get that brand in their store. It's real out here in these streets. Oh, it's it's real, and when it comes to business, uh, business is brutal. Business is a lot like the law of the jungle. It really yep. is. Uh, you want to you want to kill your competition. That's a reality. And we are competition for our own dollars that other people have taken possession of. Maybe not necessarily taken possession of that we've given possession to. They want to keep it, and they really have and they want to, to do keep a lot it. to get it. Absolutely, they, they want to suppress. Them. Yeah, they want to suppress uh, your expansion. They want to make it as hard as possible for you to maintain business. I'll never forget. Uh, a few years back, I had a friend here from Oakland, California, Karen and her husband, decided that they were going to go into the beauty supply business. They were blocked at every every uh, vantage point. And, it, and ultimately, it cost them over $200,000 investment, and their doors had to close because... They didn't get the support from the suppliers, which meant they didn't get the support from the beauticians and and African American women because they didn't they simply did not have access to the brands that are most competitive that will keep your store being competitive in the marketplace. So, you know, it is is it's a good start what we're doing right now. They're going to have to, they see that they're going to have to do more work for our dollars with uh, those hands joined, blocking the the doorways of of, of major uh, retailers on the Magnificent Mile. You know, it's called the Magnificent Mile for a reason. We have every sort of desire, whatever you want to buy, um, is there on on Michigan Avenue? That's Furriers, uh, premium denim lines, every kind of bag that any woman would want to carry. Um, Walgreens, grocers, uh, everything is on magnif- on the Magnificent Mile, and it's it's very serious to to see the one of the main corridors and it it, it, it blocked. With protesters in the street, you can't turn your car in that direction. And if you happen to get down there, you, you're at one of those fabulously luxurious hotels we have down there. Um, but you can't shop. You know, that's a big part of tourism. You're affecting tourism now. Chicago is in the top five most visited cities in this country. Well, Angela, we one of our callers, one of our listeners, one of our callers, and I spoke about him earlier, when I asked him about are we serious with this blackout, he said he was deadly serious. 
fool. He has passion. Uh, he is a wise man, and he's going to share with us his thoughts on this boycott. Welcome to the show, Maurice. Welcome to the show, Maurice. Thanks, Riley. Good to have you. And thank you, too, Andrew. Uh, Andrew, you're my homegirl. I didn't know that because we're both from Chicago. But, you know, like it's been a while since I've been there, but I'm very uh, aware of their situation. And they're doing their black thing. It's, they have more emphasis because of the recent murder of that little child there. So I can, that's what I understand is the reason for the entire thing. And so, like, I'm with it for that because um, I don't want my children to be shot down in the streets and then people decide, well, we don't even need to do an investigation or have a trial because, you know, like, his killing was just a um, It's about economics. But, you know, like, um, black people have always thrived economically here, but what we do, they're directly attacked. You know, like, it would be Wall Street and, and uh, Tulsa or uh, other uh, black enterprises. And then people go like, well, why can't the black people in America get it together? Well, it's hard to put by your boot traps when it's taken your boot. And, that's what, and so we have a situation where people use us as an economic ladder. Um, immigrants come in, they set up a shop in our neighborhood. And like, don't go over and knock on the door. We support them. They won't hire us. And it is bad as heck. You know, like when we come into their stores. So I, that was the relationship of the uh, Black Friday blackout. One, it is uh, an entrepreneurial void because people are going like, well, wow, what, what black business do I uh, shop with? You know, because like, we don't know where they are. To be in our neighborhood, we don't know. And um, for that, I think it's important because economics is certainly one of the um, things that we need to pay attention to as a nation. And technical person check out the line as well but um we love what you're saying but we're only getting getting it in bits and pieces okay i apologize for that i don't know what i can do about the communications but i'm calling on my i just want to say that i appreciate your program and i'm i'm, I'm through running my mouth you know, like if, if you're black i think you should support the boycott just to show some solidarity something which people say we don't have which we do thank you it it shows that we do have it, and I'm on fire about it. It's good to know we're both Chicagoans. I, I did not know that you were a Chicagoan as well. But, it, you know, you grew up in Chicago uh, just like, like I did. And um, so what do you think? What is it like for you as a lifelong Chicagoan to see the magnificent mile 
cut off as it is and just, you know, brimming with this initiative. Well, I'm, I'm proud of the, the effort, Angela. I, I, I think that that's Me good. Too. It's people showing we have self-respect and some self-worth, and we're going to stand up for ourselves, and we do have some control. We don't have to be consumers. Like, we can't have some discipline about what we do with others. Everybody shouldn't we? Mm. Absolutely, well, and I, I I think it also, uh, sure, it started about uh, this initiative is going on because of the, the horrible uh, slain of, of that young man in the city streets. Uh, I think it also uh, balances the picture of what we have of Chicago's young black men and in, in, in the eve of uh, the release of Spike Lee's movie, Chiracian. This is a, a wonderful uh, contrast to put up there about what our city's young black men are doing. Recently, was just came back because Chicago has the dubious decision of being a youth city that has a, a site where they do renditions where black men disappear away from their lawyers and their families. And they're just disappeared, tortured into confessions. I mean, Chicago, and it's my hometown, but they got some blood on their hands. Some deeply rooted problems, absolutely. We have some deeply rooted problems. I mean, the fact that this took this this young man's murder and uh, the videotape of his his murder and and subsequent charges being brought, this investigation taking Alvarez uh, thirteen months. To do anything about is a testament to the political structure, the corrupt political structure that has been in place all my life. So, um, it's just happy to I'm happy to see uh, my people and young people, actually young and old, locked arm in arm, saying, "No, we're not gonna go this route. You're not gonna make me go this route." And since you insist on trying to put me in this, on this path, I have uh, the right to divest my dollars from uh, your your community's enrichment. Uh, I hope that that leads to us like uh, investing them more into our own community, since the community can be uh, electronic now. You know, like um, we can find out where uh, the businesses are that uh, are good and, and and worthy of your dollars. I don't think. like you are the reason uh, we continue to do this. It's, it's been a strong, you know, seven years, and we continue to uh, lift our voices so that we can lift y'all's voices and, you know, make a change. So we appreciate it. 
right. Well, y'all keep on keeping on and I'm listening. Thank cool. you, Maurice. Wow. You know, right. that brother, uh, I, I appreciate his passion as he had articulated it uh, to me through Facebook earlier. And I'm glad that he was able to call in. I know we weren't able to get all of it. And hopefully we'll be able to get him on at enough time to share some of his experiences here. Uh, but what he's talking about is this is this can be a beginning to something much more than what it started out to be. Sure. Uh, ultimately, if we hold out on spending now, which would be a feat by itself, right, that should make major news. If we're able to do that and push those dollars into our community, that would be another huge feat. Just to get the popular media to acknowledge it will be a feat. So we have a chance to make a lot of differences with this if we will do it. And even if this is not as successful as we would like it, if it's an improvement from last year, then sometimes you have to do a little and then that enables you to do a little bit more, and there has to be a certain level of awareness that happens because of it. What we cannot Look, do, though. last year's effort caused a dramatic 11% decrease in overall Christmas shopping last year. That's dramatic for retail. They are like, what the hey is going on here? Uh, whatever it is, Find a hole and plug it. That's that's the mode they're in right now. And every black person I know, whether they're conscious, pro-black, fist in the, head, in the air, or super, you know, can't we all just get along American, African Americans, has heard about us not shopping on Black Friday. Everybody heard about it in my sphere this year, whether I know you social media or in real life. I I, I am in deep anticipation to see what the numbers are this year, to see an Apple store in America on Black Friday empty suggests that we are making a serious impact on this country's economy on Black Friday, the most significant shopping day in retail in the retail industry. That day makes the difference of the bottom line across retail, period. It, it does make a difference bottom line. <clears throat> then there has to be, the difference also has to be of what do we want for our effort. Because if what we want for our effort is attention to this situation that's going on across the country, but not just attention because you know, we do get lip service to it, and we've been getting right. lip service to it for a while. But if we want actual change, we're going to have to be able to articulate what that change is. We have to be able to do that. We have to be able to tell them what we want. One of the things that we will have to do differently is stop accepting platitudes. When I was at the Congressional District 4 debate and they were talking about education, what they talked about was, well, we need early childhood education and we need to give it more money. And my thought was, well, if the current system isn't working 
and you just get more of what we already have that isn't working, then won't we just spend more money to get less overall as we've been doing? So we have to get specific like uh, Yvette Williams did at that debate. She says, no, I don't want to just hear about what you will do for minorities. I want to hear specifically what you're going to do for black people. We have a presidential election coming up. We have that. With Hillary Clinton expected to get the black vote, it's not a question. It is not a possibility. It is an expectation that she's going to get our vote. Did you see her out there in front of any of those, with any of those protesters? I'm just asking. If you don't know, you better ask somebody. The person that wants to win that White House and win win the black vote, better pay attention and get out on the front lines of what's going on in, in Chicago and what's happening in Minnesota as well. And we could list Baltimore, we could list Ferguson, we could mention Cleveland, Ohio. We could Absolutely. Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah. There is no they keep, what they keep coming here every, uh, two, three of them are here every week, right, Rodney? Yeah, there is no limit to where this is happening. It's not isolated in just the East Coast or just the Midwest or just down South. No, this is something that's going on all over this country. And if we want to change it, we're going to have to we're going to have to put some skin in the game. We're going to have to put some skin in the game. Some of that skin that we may have to put in the game is being willing to bypass Walmart. That's right. I'm not against Walmart. I'm just saying. That's one of our key retailers is Walmart. We may have to spend a little less in Walmart and spend a little more with the homie mart with people that we know, right? That's what we have mm-hmm. to do. You know, there was an issue that Walmart and a couple of other retailers and, and Apple jumped onto. And it had, I think it started out in it was either Texas or Oklahoma, somewhere around there. And Walmart flexed its muscle. It wanted a politician to do something, to change something and to change it immediately. We talked about it on a previous show. It it eludes me right now as to what it was. But it was a social issue. And many people say that businesses are just about the bottom line. Well, there was pressure put on Walmart and some others by a social uh, group. I believe it was the uh, LGBTQ folks. And within two weeks, that politician changed his mind. And they pushed this thing all the way to where we don't hear about it anymore because Walmart Mm -hmm. had the power. Remember, Walmart is one of our largest companies in this country and in the world. So best believe, that's a young person saying, hopefully I use it right, Best believe if Walmart says, I want you, Mr. Politician, to do this or that, that politician who may not listen to you and I 
You're going to listen to Mr. Wall and Mr. Martin. So when people say, well, why are you boycotting these stores? The purpose of boycotting in this particular instance is to raise awareness, to unify, to amplify the message, and then to push, in this case, businesses, could be an organization, could be people, could be politicians. Ultimately, it's politicians, right? Because the world works right. through politics in America, is to get them to push us to amplify our voice with the decision makers on the changes that are necessary. So if if at the end of this, January first or fifth, whenever I think sixth is when they come out with the numbers, and they see a dramatic decline in spending. Now, they're going to also wait to see if the money that we held out on that we're just going to give them at the first of the year. Because if the money that gets them, let's say they take a hit this year, right, because this is the end of the year, and this is where they plan on making up and making those extra profits, right? So let's say they took a hit this year. But if all we do is give them an early Christmas in January, by spending the money that we saved in December, mm-hmm. then next Black Friday is not going to scare them because they know they can wait us out. See, that's why this thing, I'm glad that it started, but a potentiality to this is this really should be the start of a 365. 365. One yeah. is we need to have our own businesses. We just mm-hmm. need to have it. That way we can always have that power, right? And, right? and we can employ our own. Because, see, they're not employing us either. So if we go and give them our money and they say, okay, we're going to talk about this, this, and this, but they still don't employ us, we're still stuck in poverty. And then we will still get what people get who are stuck in poverty. So 365, let's look at those foundation businesses. Let's find those gas stations. Why? When in Las Vegas, I have lost count at the number of Latino, Hispanic grocery stores and Asian markets. That's right. Isn't it I've amazing? Now, Angela, where's that black grocery store at? Well, you know, it's right, you know, right over. Yeah. Let's, I, let's I get that together. To a newspaper stand or into a particular community, and I can find a newspaper, sometimes mm-hmm. more than one, with usually more than one magazine. Where's our newspaper again, Angela? Well, you know, it's right over, you, right, you know, there. So what I'm saying right is, is we, ha- we have some work to do, but it's going to take us some support. It's going to take some sacrifice. And we have to be willing to put some skin in the game. That might mean driving a little further for this or that. It may mean paying a little bit of more, a little bit more for this or that. It might mean our retailers need to spruce up their facilities, make them a little more uh, inviting. It may mean people need to change some attitudes, become a little more courteous, learn about customer service. You can actually learn customer service. So it's out there for us, and it's not fruit that's at the top of the tree. It's actually fairly low-hanging fruit. 
low-hanging fruit, ready, ripe, and ready to fall off. Absolutely. You could probably walk into it, hit it with your head, and fall into your hand. So this, therefore, we have to get it. Well, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the blackout, and I actually had an extended show planned for today because one of the things that I also wanted to talk about, and we got about 15 minutes to talk about it, is an insurrection that happens in Wilmington, North Carolina, on November 10th of 1898. We were going to talk about it on an earlier show, but, again, we ran out of time. So I plugged it into this show before, because before the month is out, I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to also let everyone know that November is Native American History and Heritage Month, November. Now, we just had Thanksgiving, and somebody decided to make November Native American History Month. Mm -hmm. Before I get into our second topic, I just want to pitch this real quick. Columbus Day. Maybe, no, should be changed to the Indigenous Peoples Day as they do, I believe, in Washington State or whatever they would like to be called. And and this is a suggestion for them because it's their day, it's their month, right? And I believe that the Indigenous Peoples Day, Native American Day, should not be in November in association with Thanksgiving. Now, I would take it as a slap in the face for that mean. Maybe they don't. And if they want to keep it and they're fine with it, that's great. But I think it's a discussion that should be had to open up to them and to avail it to them, to pick their day. Just like we picked February to be our month, I think they should be able to pick their day because I just feel uncomfortable with Thanksgiving being in the month. Of Nate, that we that we're calling Native American History Month. So that's something that, for y'all to think about. And I mention that because Native Americans and African Americans are the most oppressed people in this nation. Native Americans and African people of African descent, African Americans whose ancestors were slaves or here during slavery times, are the um, most oppressed people. In this nation, and yes, there is documentation and studies to back it up. And to go even further, and this is not to divide, but this is to hopefully silence some of the comments that I hear. African American males, yes, not African American women, African American males, next to the Native American, is the most oppressive, oppressed group in this nation. Now, that only means African-American women fare a little bit better. Ultimately, we are both in the same boat. Ultimately, we are both oppressed, and we are both in the same boat. And the oppression didn't just start with these killings, the rash of killings that we're experiencing. Because, first of all, it's not a rash of killings that just happened. These have been happening. It is the advent of cell phone video and dash cams that, to some, is bringing it to the forefront because there was this denial of it. And there's even still denial of it, even with the video. 
1898, in Wilmington, North Carolina, oppression was still happening. But believe it or not, before this event in 1898 in Wilmington, North Carolina, November 10th, Wilmington, North Carolina had been a slave area. Mm-hmm. But the Battle of Cape Fear, the Battle of Cape Fear during the Civil War, where the Union won with the help and support of freed slaves, these were freemen, and with people who ran away and joined the Union Army to fight the Confederate forces there. The Battle of Cape Fear was won by the Union, by the North. And there were still some misgivings about it, but ultimately, Wilmington, North Carolina, was the largest city at this time in North Carolina. And it was a time that because of these freedmen and these escaped slaves, when the Battle of Cape Fear was won, all the slaves there, mostly all the slaves there that were known, were free. And ultimately, the population of Wilmington, North Carolina, had more black people in it than white people, ultimately. And Wilmington, North Carolina, ultimately gave voting rights to black people before many other places did and became somewhat of a benchmark of what the new order would be with black people fully ingrained as participants. This is Wilmington, North Carolina. But then something happened, something dark and un-American happened on November 10th in Wilmington, North Carolina. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar with Wilmington, well, first of all, it's in North Carolina, which is a mm-hmm. southeast state. It is right on the coast of North Carolina. North Carolina actually has a large, a long coast. It is right on the coast of North Carolina. It's roughly, four, I believe, 400 miles of coast. But somebody fact check me on that. And on this coast, in the south portion Right around, oh, shucks, Burgaw, Leland, some other small towns like that, you have Wilmington, which was the biggest town in North Carolina. It's right up the road from my little town in North Carolina, and then after that, you were in South Carolina. So the very southeast corner of Wilmington, of North Carolina, is roughly where Wilmington was. Whenever they, when you hear about Cape Hatteras, you're right mm-hmm. around Wilmington, North Carolina. You think where the hurricanes is the part that juts out a little bit, where the hurricanes usually hit, that's Wilmington, North Carolina. And in this particular okay. time frame, Wilmington, North Carolina was a place where blacks and whites shared government, and there were more blacks in Wilmington, North Carolina than there were whites. There was a black middle class in Wilmington, North Carolina. But because blacks were able to vote and a Republican president 
was the ones who led this march to victory and freedom. Most blacks, when they voted, they voted Republican back then. They voted because Democrats were the slaveholders. Holders. Democrats mm-hmm. had been the ones who seceded from the Union. And the state where that six, the first state to secede from the Union was just below North Carolina and just below Wilmington, North Carolina, and it was South Carolina. So you can imagine that there was a large influence of pro-segregationists in Wilmington, North Carolina. There was a large influence of the Knights of the Ku Klux Klan in Wilmington, North Carolina, because they were in Tennessee. North Tennessee is right above North Carolina, above adjacent. So in 1898, Wilmington was a place where there was shared power, but it was also had some, some turbulence. There was about 10,000 people in Wilmington, North Carolina, but the majority of that 10,000 were black. Well, in about 1875, the white Democrats were pushing the politics and the agenda in Wilmington, North Carolina. And the people of Wilmington, North Carolina, remember, black people had the right to vote, and the majority of people there were black. And they voted for the city council, and they voted for their mayor. And in the process of doing that, the white people, the Democrats, had a problem. And they could see the handwriting on the wall, that there would be more blacks in power, and that they might be under the rule, under the authority of black people. They didn't like it. And there was a newspaper in Wilmington, North Carolina. And this newspaper was one of the largest newspapers in North Carolina. So it had a lot of clout. And this newspaper was pushing the agenda, just like I wish we had a newspaper here in Las Vegas to help push our agenda of the boycott and our black agenda in general. This newspaper talked about the poll taxes that blacks still had to deal with in that time frame. It was pushing a progressive agenda before that phraseology was attached to the Democrats today. But in Wilmington, North Carolina, Jim Crow didn't exist like it existed in other places. Unfortunately, white supremacists, had a disagreement with the sharing of power, the peaceful coexistence of black and white people in Wilmington, North Carolina. And there was a white person who actually ran for governor and lost. But he didn't just let it be. He came into Wilmington, North Carolina with former members, with members of the Ku Klux Klan, 
former members of the Confederacy. They attacked the newspaper, burned it down, one of the largest newspapers, black newspapers in the state, one, one of the most influential in the country. And they killed and or ran off 1,600 black people. Now, it was a town of 10,000. And then they ran off another 2,500 black people out of Wilmington, North Carolina. It was a town of 10,000. They removed the duly elected mayor and put their own mayor in his place. They removed the city council, which was made up of blacks and whites, and put their own in their place. And then they began to change laws and to institute Jim Crow laws in Wilmington, North Carolina in 1898. That's right, 1898. North Carolina was not always a state, and Wilmington was not always a city that practiced Jim Crow laws because they shared government, blacks and whites. They coexisted peacefully. Many people may not know that before there was a Black Wall Street, there was a Wilmington, North Carolina. There was a Durham, North Carolina. I believe the first black insurance company was started in North Carolina. One of the black-owned banks was started in North Carolina. North Carolina was a progressive place. But this, this one person with his band of Confederate loyalists overturned it all through the insurrection. And an insurrection means when you overthrow a government, a coup d'etat. But I take issue with the phrase coup d'etat, even though it means head-to-head. I take issue with the coup d'etat because this was Americans overthrowing American government. This wasn't another country overthrowing it. They came into this city, Wilmington, North Carolina, these men, these former Confederate soldiers, burning, killing, looting. And they changed Wilmington, North Carolina. Really, up to this point, Wilmington, North Carolina has not since 1898 had a majority black population. As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. Wow. From what happened in 1898, this is, is the influence of action. I grew up not too far from Wilmington, North Carolina. I used to go to town because that's what we called it. That's where we sold our crops, Wilmington, North Carolina. And it was Jim Crow in full effect due to the riot. You know, that's what the white newspapers called it, right? Right. It was an insurrection of government, an overthrow of government by white supremacists and replaced the duly elected government of the citizens, the people of Wilmington, North Carolina, with their own and has changed Wilmington, North Carolina up into modern day. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who say that black people never slept together, black people never had it, we on this show, Angela and I, have given you many instances of cities, of areas, and people, these are black people, who have been doing what we say we have never done. So I hope 
that because we keep telling these stories, that at some point we will stop saying we have never done this, we have never had that, because we have stuck together. We have had our own. And as Maurice says when he was talking about Black Wall Street that came after Wilmington, North Carolina, they burned it down. They burned Wilmington, North Carolina down. They burned Rosewood down. They burned Folsom, California. We could go through a list. What I'm saying to you is what my cousin often says, but yet we still stand. We are a victorious people. Let us learn our history. Embrace our history. It will always be a part of us. Things were done to us that we had no power to control. Today with this boycott, we're talking about taking back our power to control our own destiny. So I wanted to tie these two topics together today. First of all, to show you that we are a victorious people. We have withstood what no one else has in modern times. Modern times would be in the last 400 years. And we're still here. We can do this when it comes to this blackout boycott. But we have to do more. And we have to get rid of the notion that we are a defeated people. We are a victorious people. As they would say in Wilmington, North Carolina, it's high time we started acting like who we truly are, our true legacy, our true lineage, that we are the legacy of those people who came before us that withstood so much so that we can have the privileges and freedom that we sometimes take for granted today. So I want you to go look up the insurrection of Wilmington, North Carolina, the insurrection of 1898 in Wilmington, North Carolina, close to my original home, close to my ancestral home, ancestral because my people were enslaved in the Carolinas. Insurrection, 1898, of Wilmington, North Carolina. Our children probably don't learn this in school. You could go to Our Own Voices Live, because if you knew about the insurrection of 1898 in Wilmington, North Carolina, please go to Our Own Voices Live and tell me, share it with the rest of us, and share how you learned it, because I want to know if you learned it in school. Because we have to get this type of information into our schools so our children can learn it. And they can see us differently than how we're traditionally portrayed in school and in media. Angela? There it is. Our show was a long show today. Sure. It deserved it. It deserved to be long. I'm happy it was long today. And, you know just going down the list of, of things that I'm grateful for. I'm grateful to have this platform. I'm grateful to have the audience every uh, Saturday, 1230, out here on the West Coast and 330 out east, uh, listening in throughout, you know, when it's conv- during broadcast as well as during their week. Um, the, that reflects in our numbers, uh, well over 100,000 listeners in the time period that you and I have been broadcasting. I thank you for your continued vigilance uh, vigilance to this platform and your continued partnership with me on this effort. And, you know, 
as we head into a new year. It's it's good to be here. It's good to see some of the changes that we have been advocating for over this time period that we've been on these airwaves, Rodney. It's beautiful to see some of these changes. I just shared on um, our own voices, well, on my Facebook page, but I'm about to share it on our own voices live um, Facebook page. Afro Bella, who's a wonderful uh, journalist and uh, blogger, a lot of us girls know about Afro Bella. She was one of the, she was the first African American uh, natural blogger. She has uh, taken the time to compile 350 independently owned African American businesses, and I love her for it. She always she highlights them throughout the year. She just did a, uh, you know, a, a corralled all of them into one posting, and I'm going to put it up on uh, our Facebook page. Please take the time out to support black business uh, if you're going to buy over this holiday season, which I hope you don't. Honestly, I I hope you um, save the money for January, for Black History Month, and then when you do spend your dollars, you spend it with black-owned businesses and, and, and black retailers and black, if you're going into business, you know, try to do as much business with black folks as you possibly can. Let's build our stockhouse. Be be the change we want to see. I appreciate you every Saturday, um, and I will continue to come and share as long as you continue to come and listen and, and share with us as well. So make it a great week this week. Uh, let's keep our eyes and ears on this movement and contribute what you can. You know, those young people are out there putting it all on the line. Hey, let's take some water down there or some some sweet potato pie or something. It's a lot of energy being <laughs> expended down there. They're going to need the community's uh, resources to, to help support. Yes, uh, they will need it all. So let us uh, be thankful for all that we've been given over this year, uh, sometimes the good and the bad. And, Angela, thank you so much for being here and being part of the genesis of this and keeping it going. Thank you to all our listeners. Again, TC's Rib Crib, uh, that's one of the places that we were shouting out today. It's also uh, for small business uh, Saturday. Uh, so TC's Rib Crib is a black owned and it's a small business, so you get a twofer, and that's 3655 South Durango, Suite 18. And you can go to tcsribcrib.com or tcsribcrib on Facebook. Also, Dangerware. Dangerware is located in the shopping center on Rancho, and across street is Washington. Go there and check them out, and feel free to tell them that you heard it from Rodney and Angela and our own voices live. Let them know that we're thinking and about if you need, Absolutely. And if you need lipstick, please keep in mind 21 Smooches. We are here at your disposal. Uh, over 30 fun, fashionable colors, and we're going to keep it going. So and that brings us to a close, Rodney. Yeah, and Andrew, we may need to talk to the folks down there in Dangerware to see if they're willing to start selling some lipstick. That'd be cool. I certainly so, have plenty of lipstick. <laughs> so folks, so, see how we can connect the dots like that? I mean, it's that simple is sharing what we know with the others. And for those who have needs, sharing what your need is, because maybe there's someone out there who can help satisfy that need. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm talking about business and commerce, right? But let let folks know 
You never you never know who someone else knows. So thank you all for listening to it, and please share this. If not the whole show, share some of the information that you learned from the show. Let them know you got it from the show. Yes, I'm doing some some advertising here because we, we have listeners. We want more listeners. We need more support. Help us support you. How about that? Thank you, Angela. I guess we'll see you all next week at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. And that's 3.30 out east. All right. So if you got leftovers, Hey, let's let's get let's get on them. And if you got too much leftovers for you, remember there's a bunch of folks that's on the streets, and many of them are veterans that are going hungry today. And they don't know where the next meal will come from. Please feel free to share some of your bounty with them. And on that note, with others, yeah, think about. absolutely. All right, young people, let's make it a great week. Um, and let's keep each other in in, our, in in one another's prayers. Let's pray. Let's pray for those young people that are out there putting it all out on the line um, for us as veterans and fighting this war on terrorism, as well as the young people in Chicago, Minnesota, and throughout the country that are um, bringing forward this new movement. Man, let's support them and encourage them, and in every way we can. And let's just, you know, make it a great week. See you next week right here on Our Own Voices Live.